So we're at Central Park, Sydney, and we're about to experience for the first time Fortress Sydney, the new anchor tenant under Central Park on Broadway in Sydney, and it is an esports arena. But not just an esports arena, it's a full esports precinct with two bars, a pub and a cocktail bar, plus streaming booths, and yeah, a full-fledged arena for people to watch Dota in or something. I think we're going this way. Central Park. This is what they promised us the future would look like. Yeah. Vertical garden. This is the 15-minute city. This is the World Trade Organization Great Reset. Okay, here we go. Wait, so have they taken all of the restaurants? Uh, all the restaurants gone? Yeah. Didn't I fall? Yeah. It's gone. All the food place that was over there is... It's all Fortress? On. The eSports hub for the best city in Australia. And here's our first look. Okay, now we've got direction. We can either go to the Alienware Arena, the Telstra Land Lounge, or Streamer Pods. Where's the bar? To the left. Yeah, hey, guys. Very well. We're going to go to the tavern for lunch. Is that yeah, it's no problem at all. Do you guys have any food or drinks in the bag? No. Awesome. Yeah, feel great. Thanks, right. We've got a LED stained glass window and a huge hammer. Wow, it's massive. Okay, mate, how are you? I'll grab the Beyond Beef Burger. You want to make it fully vegan, so I just want to cheese. No, no, just as if it's a normal burger, just yeah, with... Do you want a drink or anything? Yeah, I'll grab a Bolter, thanks. Yeah, do you want that? a beer or a pint? A pint sounds good, thanks. Yeah. Make that too. Clams? Any big clams? Not really, no. I wish I had something more interesting to say. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Right. We're just checking out the digs up here. Yeah, You're probably more of a fantasy guy. I'm, I'm more of a cyber. No, I'm not a fantasy guy. <laughs> and I'm more of a kind of futuristic guy. Yeah, okay, cool. A futuristic cocktail bar. Yeah. So it's more my scene. Okay. What year did he say? 2015. Oh, of course. Is that open? Open to five. No, can't go into a futuristic cocktail bar. It's a shame because the fit looks incredible. This futuristic kind of cyber bar is. I mean, it kind of just looks like a bar. It's like an airport bar. <laughs> They're going for futuristic cyberpunk bar, but I would say the fit out is kind of a bit more frozen yogurt still. Yes. Nothing screams future. Well, it says 2315 on the wall. Okay, we've got an arena. What are you seeing in the Alienware arena? A lot of pulsing green lights. Um, which is sort of the, that's esports coded to me. Yeah, like a stage, on one side there's five computers, on the other side there's five computers all facing the audience. Huge yep. opportunity for crowd work. <laughs> so capacity, you're probably looking at a couple hundred. Yeah. 300 maybe? Yeah. Shopping centre quality arcade. <laughs> and then a shopping centre. Real, real, real time zone vibes. Ticket dome, you can get heaps of, you got to stack up on your tickets. But there's also a time zone opposite, they must be spewing. A tavern trivia is on Tonight, Wednesday, we've got board games, social, and free play. Dungeons and Flagons. Three hour guided Dungeons and Dragons adventures. On Sunday, wow. Friday and Saturday, though, it's not really an event, though, is it? Unwind, eat, drink, and play all night long. They put that on, I would say, most bars. <laughs> the tavern is obviously, it's supposed to be like a tavern. Orcs would bump into it, man. There would be orcs here. And dwarves, etc. Okay, number one, pine glass. Give us ones with handles. Yeah, tell this is like a. This is a sleek kind this, of this Asahi. Like, this is, exactly, this is like a Darlinghurst bar pint. Yeah, but you need something with some heft. Low and brow style. But you know, place is pumping on a 
Friday and Saturday, maybe when the vibes are up and there's like games are plenty on the screens. People playing board games, there's a big shelf of board games. Then I can see this just being ripper. <laughs> <laughs> So, James. The first uh, down round in the field, mm-hmm. we headed on down to Fortress Sydney to read the vibes. Right. We, are, we are vibrators of what's going on with the, the world of esports. And based on what we saw, what would be your apprehension? It was exactly as I imagined it would be. Yeah. If one were to say in central Sydney, or it's called central Sydney, but realistically it's just outside of the CBD. Yeah. Opposite UTS, also a university that, don't get me wrong, fine university. Mm-hmm. But if you were to tell me there was an esports arena opposite UTS yep. with both a tavern and a cocktail bar, what would you imagine it would look like? Yep. That's exactly what would come to mind. That's what would come to mind. mind. I agree with you. It's a wonderful monument to the last few years of esports as kind of like a hype hub so esports as something that like this is coming this is a big thing that's coming and it kind of just puts one foot in the door totally and that's about it yeah in case you haven't figured it out already from the lengthy intro and also the name of the episode we're talking about esports today because esports is i think and we both think one of the funniest artifacts of the tech hype over the past you know five years basically it does encapsulate a lot of Bubble behavior. Because, like, one thing about bubbles is it's exuberance. A lot of people exuberant, only seeing the upside of certain things potential. Yeah. And esports is a perfect encapsulation of that because the upsides are obvious. Sport. Sport. It's right there in the title. Sport. Huge huge industry. But it is amazing in bubbles how you fail to see kind of the downsides. Totally. That's basically the thing. Like, when the bubble bursts, everyone goes, like, well, the downsides are obvious. It was obvious this was never going to be the next... FIFA yeah. or whatever. For the people that are listening that are kind of like, I actually don't really know what esports is. I hear people talk about it all the time, but I don't get what's going on here. Esports is like competitive video games. There's a big industry of people that watch video games, that watch streams on Twitch of people, other people playing games. So that's one thing. But on the other side of the coin is that you've got like competitive video games that people follow because they're really interested in seeing who's the best. The idea is that people go to a... Either they watch it on Twitch or they go to arenas like Fortress Sydney that we were just at to sit in like a spectator arrangement and watch like the best of the best in the world of video games. Play StarCraft, play Counter-Strike, play Dota, play whatever. Mm. And that this is going to be basically the sports leagues of the future. And this is going to be as important to like the future entertainment landscape as the NBA and the NFL and the NRL and the... AFL are right now. Like, let's linger on the bull case. But to the point where a few years ago, when this was going to be huge, AFL clubs had, I've actually forgotten, I should have the facts, Western Bulldogs or Melbourne Demons or whatever, they started esports teams who would have like a little hub, an area, I, I suppose some rooms and some offices where they would go and train and 
yeah. practice playing whatever no, the games that- are and, and be like a franchise of the Western Bulldogs. Tra- yeah, traditional sports leagues and there were, there were like Premier League clubs and European football clubs and NBA teams or whatever that were exploring the idea of acquiring esports teams or setting up their own esports teams on the understanding that this stuff was, was going to be huge at well, some point. This is the thing, the upside of the bubble, right? Okay, lots of people play video games. A lot of people play video games. A lot of people watch video games. And that number has been hockey stick. It's been up and to the right. The number of people who play video games is up and to the right, depending on, you know, obviously we throw in mobile gaming and that kind of pumps the numbers a bit. But point being, more people are playing video games today than were 10 years ago. Yep. Vastly more people. Yep. It makes heaps of money. We've talked about it before. It's bigger than movies, bigger than music. Video games is number one for, like, revenue. GTA 5 or whatever was, like, the biggest media product ever. Entertainment release ever, yeah. All that. Match that with, like, okay, so all these people are playing uh, League of Legends or or Counter-Strike, are interested in video games. These teams that are forming are then going to have tens of, if not hundreds of millions of followers who are going to be interested in watching people, this game, competitively. Yep. So, therefore... It makes perfect sense that these teams, that who, whichever teams we form here, like either they naturally form through clans or what have you, or they're franchises that start or um, that might be affiliated with different brands or location-based, like the LA Counter-Strike team or whatever it is, are going to have massive audiences. And this is going to be as big as NFL, NBA, you name it, soccer, yep. cricket, because- so many people already play the game. Of course, this is naturally yeah, going to be as big as a sport. Totally. And there's an aspect to it, and we've talked about this on Down Around before, the idea that there are Western tech and entertainment CEOs who are just like champing at the bit to replicate or capture something that they've seen happening in Asia. So the roots of modern sort of esports, at least as kind of like it being a spectator sport that people might actually go to a physical location to watch, which was a big leap, mm. sort of was rooted in South Korea. And the fact that, you know, StarCraft, which, you know, the real-time strategy game, became like a major spectator sport in South Korea. By which, I, and when I say major spectator sport, I don't necessarily mean that it was like vastly culturally relevant to Korea at that time, but there were big audiences that were interested in um, in uh, watching StarCraft. You could see the the light bulb go off in the mind of like Western media and entertainment CEOs and, and tech CEOs mm. because, it, as we've said, it, it it makes intuitive sense. There's a lot of people that like playing video games. There's a smaller but still large segment of people who like watching video games. This is the sort of thing that powers Twitch and other platforms like that. And then within that, there's got to be scope for this, like, competitive universe yeah. where, like, you get to see, like, the best of the best play and they play for titles and trophies and I guess most importantly for what makes this an industry, competition money. Yeah, yeah. You know, they go and they play in like the Counter-Strike International Tournament and they earn and they're playing for like a prize pool of $20 million or something. Yeah, but there's multiple things obviously at play here where that's another thing, like the Twitch thing, especially to investors who might be in the sport world or whatever. And, you know, your job if you're in management or an investor who's in sports is always like looking out for the next thing or whatever. Remember that again, that light bulb moment of like, Woo-hoo? Twitch was bought by Amazon for $1 billion pe- because people enjoy watching other people play computer games or what? what? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Hold on. There might be something here. And obviously, like, Twitch's numbers are pretty good. Not obviously compared to like YouTube or 
Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Yeah, but, yeah. like, there was that light bulb moment of people are watching other people play computer games. That one-to-one correlation with sports, very obvious. It's the first thing you think of, which are, like, allowed companies like Blizzard to start selling off franchises of Overwatch, for example. Like, I remember Overwatch and Overwatch League, was, it's, a, like, a 6v6. I think it's now 5v5. They've kind of changed... We'll get to that later. One of the aspects of these games is you can just change the rules, yeah. which you can in actual sport. But anyway, it's a team-based shooter, one team versus another team. They were selling off the franchises of Overwatch, and, you know, they were selling them for kind of $10 million, $15 million. Reportedly, the LA Overwatch team was, they were trying to sell for $20 million and whatever, and all these, like, regional teams. New York was $12 million selling the rights to own the Overwatch team for New York because it would be this profitable franchise that fans would, much like a sports team, buy the merchandise, buy tickets to kind of watch the guys play the computer games in the stadiums and the arenas and sell the ads next to and the sponsorship and blah, 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 like you would investing in any sports team. And it attracted a lot of, I believe, like Shaquille O'Neal invested in one of them. Yeah, the the investment interest was like vast Mm. and- The thing that I think made this whole thing break down is that, to be clear, before we sort of like delve in and start roasting this whole industry or whatever, esports is big. Yeah. The LA Times reported that 261 million people worldwide watch esports. I don't know the extent, like how regular these viewers are Mm. or how loyal they are, but that's a big audience globally. Of course. That's only going to go up and get bigger as more and more people get into it and you know, gaming is projected to, to go up, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, especially in, like, developing countries and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's clearly a market, and I don't think that esports as a pastime or whatever is dead. But it as kind of, like, a profit centre that can challenge traditional sports. Yeah. It seems really, really shaky. And one of the things is, like, you know, you can see that this was kind of, like, more of a pitch than it was a product. They've tried to build it up like a regular sports league yeah. or like a collection of sports leagues. When I heard someone make it, made a point that I thought was like really valuable. Esports is actually more like World Series of Poker than it is like the NBA or the NFL. Mm. You get to watch people at the top of their game. There's like a real kind of like carnival showman sort of aspect to it. It's more like that universe, watching televised poker rather than watching the Super Bowl. See, I... I don't even put it in that category. <laughs> I think poker, as far as friggin' card games is concerned, is a great entertainment product, especially with the uh, innovation of, like, we get to see the cards and we know what all the players are holding because, like, you know what's going on. Totally. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There are two guys here. One of them has the better hand. The other one has the worse hand. And now they're kind of betting at each other. That's good viewing. No, you know, no, like, I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Like, um, is the person with the worst hand going to win or not? There's the hero's journey there. You don't really get that in video games. And this is part of the, the problem as well. Because, like, you know, they were trying to hack together. As you said, we're going to launch, like, the LA Heat. And it's, like, the Los Angeles City franchise that's going to play Overwatch or play Counter-Strike or whatever. And then, you know, obviously you see the guys come out. It's, like, a bunch of, like, weedy dudes in singlets like pumping their fists like yeah baby yeah. as they go out to sit at their computers and, and play before a stadium even putting aside anything else doesn't quite have the resonance of like you know seeing a 
the best athletes in the world all run out to like onto the basketball court or onto the football field yeah. or whatever. Yeah, these specimens, <laughs> like yeah. absolute like, weapons, peak, peak human specimens. <laughs> well, literally, just tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, pumped into just that individual to just maximize their performance. It's not quite the same when it's guys that are really good at playing Overwatch. <laughs> yeah. And you can see the thinking because they have a really successful media model, works really well, and very yeah, yeah. profitable for in the sports leagues. But the sports leagues are built off. 200 years of history. The English Premier League, that is an old tournament or is rooted in, like, a really old sport. Oh, yeah. A lot of these clubs are old. They have history. The history had to start somewhere. Like, as in, I know that, obviously, there are uh, ultras, like, bashing each other and whatever no, right now. No, but, like, maybe they had, they did in 200 to, years' time, like... They, they had to start somewhere, but they did actually start. Like, they were... Clubs that started off local, they weren't exactly. massive international media products. They built up. By the time they were huge media products, fans could be like, my grandfather was like, you know, an Arsenal fan. Yeah. I come from a long history of like yeah. Melbourne Demons fans. Or my great, great, great uncle got stabbed by a Manchester City fan. Exactly. Whereas, I mean, putting aside anything else, the thought of that just being like a multi generational. FaZe Clan fan. Well, this is the peak. Obviously, the utter peak is that FaZe Clan, so a an esports team, went public virus back. I I was not even aware of this. I had, to, I had to break it to Raph like he was, you know. If only we had, I guess, the mics rolling then, you would have had, like, real-time reaction. Real-time react, Raph learns that FaZe Clan- Is a public, <laughs> publicly traded company. It's a publicly traded company that went public virus back. Yeah, wow. Got the earnings out. They're not looking good, folks. No. When they first went public, they went up to about $17 a share. Yeah, about seventeen fifty. looking at, at the numbers. And they're yep. now at $0.50. Cents. And as I said, they're losing around $14 million a quarter. And they've got around $24 million of cash in the bank right now. Cool. So, you know, don't need to be a, a business genius to realise <laughs> that's not quite sustainable. And, you know... <laughs> It can't, like FaZe Clan, I don't even want to fucking talk about this, guys. It's beneath me. No, to- no, no, we got to explain to the culture. Yeah, it does. So FaZe Clan, they're kind of, they sold themselves sort of in this model. This is the new LA Lakers. You know, FaZe Clan. Yeah. It's a Chicago sport- Bulls. Exactly. It's a sports franchise. But so it's this huge like merchandising opportunity. As well as a sports team, it was kind of more like a, an influencer hype house. Yeah, yeah. If you were really good at that, they play across a whole bunch of different games that they have people that are good at. They each individual person in the FaZe clan develops kind of like a, a personality. They just they stream on Twitch, they accumulate their own fan base. I don't even know exactly what their the monetization model in terms of like what the cut is and how much FaZe gets versus these individuals. Yeah, there's obviously a couple of ways you could do that. But anyway, the the fact that like this business model we sign gamers. We sign pro gamers and try to turn them into like the LeBron James of Dota. It actually reminds me now that we say it aloud, like very kind of BuzzFeed model, like early days BuzzFeed hype model where it's like, we have the secret source. We sign these gamers. We get heaps of hits, right? Like it's like we have the magic. Like every week we release all these videos on YouTube and they get millions and millions of views watching people play games, blah, 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 blah. It's like that kind of vibe where it's like we've cracked the internet. Yeah. Like we're the new entertainment product because we understand the algorithms and what makes people watch and we get this many views and eyeballs and cultural relevance. It's kind of that vibe. Yeah. But 
like most of those businesses, is completely unsustainable. Totally. For, Let for- alone in, in an industry that is burgeoning, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, the yeah, Face Clan, it going public was a real peak for that fucking bubble. But the thing, going back to what I said before, LA Times said there are 261 million people globally in, like, the esports audience. Again, huge. Each enthusiast produces only $5 per year on average mm. in terms of total revenue. Compared to traditional sports, where someone is buying tickets to games, yeah, they're buying, buying jerseys, buying jerseys, merch, buying merch, memberships, watching on TV, which gets advertising revenue. Exactly, <laughs> sponsorship deals for the teams are obviously huge. Yeah, all so, of the billboards around the stadiums. So the number looks great, but the actual conversion to like a a product, if that's for every single esport of every single game combined yep. worldwide, it's not a big pie. No. And even if you talk about the numbers, like 261 million people globally sounds really big, the Super Bowl will get 120 million viewers. A random IPL Indian 2020 game will get like 80 million people. Totally. <laughs> like- so, like, once you, once you think about it in those terms, the pie starts to shrink a bit. What I think the problem comes down to is that there's a decent business in there somewhere. There's, like a profitable media product. There's something that's probably could be relatively big, mm. but the strategy of being like, this is sport, baby. And not only is it, it's the future of sport yeah. and this is what people are going to watch to replace literal sport in their diet mm. was just complete magical bubble thinking. Yeah, yeah. There's so many problems with it. So, number one, let's start broad and move in. Sure. More broadly, like with sport, one of the beauties of it is that you're seeing someone do something that you definitely can't do. But you're like you're seeing a human. Yep. Soccer is a great example just because it's a big sport, right? People like soccer. Yep. Popular game. Yep. Watching Premier yes, League highlights 2022 on yep. YouTube, some 10-minute package, it's like I've kicked a soccer ball. Yep. I can't kick it like that. Yeah, I think, <laughs> like, it's, I think it's fair to say. I watch- uh, and I've never seen anyone kick it like that. I watch Messi. I, I think to myself- couldn't do that. Now, translate that to computer games and you have a random avatar doing a bunch of things, moves that are kind of prescribed by, by some coding and an algorithm. And at the end of that, there's a human somewhere clicking a mouse and some buttons on a keyboard. It's too abstracted. I fully believe that, and I could be proven vastly wrong by like future metaverse shit or whatever, but I think there's a visceral nature of real sport that involves like our bodies in space there's observing. a truth okay i don't want to get too deep too yeah. soon but there's a, there's a certain truth when someone kicks a ball and the ball moves through the air yeah. there is a truth to the physics <laughs> of that ball like when someone tackles someone and they fall down and they hurt themselves there's a truth there like yeah. so much of in our world, is artificial and created, and we're not sure if it's real or not. But that and is like, real. We don't know. We don't know the people behind it. But if so- someone hits someone and they go down, you get that. You get down to Le- Leichhardt Oval. You see them play in a row. You see the hits in person. Yeah, that's real. Finally, it's some truth. Something visceral about <laughs> sport. Real. It's like, real. It's like, real. I like the days I, I walk. I walk through my life and unable to comprehend what's <laughs> happening around me. That's real. Bring back the Biff. That's all. That's what we're getting at. <laughs> okay, like the hitting in the face stuff. Like I'm not. 
not so into like mixed martial arts and all that, but you know what I mean. This is there's a certain truth to it. Yes, I know that like AFL's union they change the rules like regularly to try and like make the game more beautiful. But at the end of the day, what you see on the field, the physics is real, as opposed to like this artifice. You have to understand so much about it before you can even begin to understand it. Yep. It's like post structural mess. But regardless of philosophy, there's a bridge that it's not getting crossed. It's so contrived, right? Like it is a bunch of code. Absolutely. There's no like everything happens within the structure of the game. That's- Physics versus algorithm. Yeah. And I think if you take that slightly narrower, that's a bit that's a big picture thing about the nature of reality and what we're oh, sorry. Yeah. Where's truth? You're watching uh, a league game. That's truth to me, baby. Too real. Sorry. Well, yeah, exactly. You're watching Super Smash Brothers melee tournament. That's not real. Yeah. That's nothing. But the the other thing is that um which is not replicable in the world of esports, which is a, ra- a reality for real sports, is that all the sports that we watch today, watch and love, are old or based on really old traditions. Probably like the most, the newest sport that is really popular is probably like basketball. I do love about sport that if you like go on Wikipedia about them, most of their beginnings are uncertain. Yeah, no one knows where they came from, but yeah. you know, they've, a lot of them have emerged over the past 200 years and they've got roots in like much older ball sports, yeah. basically. You know, people have been trying to kick a ball between poles for a long time. Yeah. And part of the reason is like, you may be someone that knows absolutely nothing about sport. You turn on an NBA game mm. and you watch it for 10 minutes. You're not going to get every rule. You're not going to understand how it works. No, but you get. But they've got to le- get the ball in the basket. They've got to get the ball in the basket. It's legible. You exact American football, NFL, very complex game, yeah. strategically complex game. You watch it, you'll be like, okay, they're trying to get the ball from there to there. Yeah. And, you know, there's some stuff happens in the middle. I, I get the rhythm of it. I get yeah. the flow. You watch League of Legends. You watch Dota. <laughs> Even you watch something really simple like Counter-Strike yeah. where it's like ostensibly- what the terrorists versus the I don't know what the the main guys counter terrorists. Well, there you go. It's obvious. You get the the rhythm of it, but the actual execution is so complicated that your average person, unless they play the game for a while, have someone explain it to them. Oh, you have get to have been it. playing the game deeply to understand. Like like Counter Strike. If you're watching first person, someone who's like elite at Counter Strike, they're flicking the mouse, right? Like that's what's skillful. You kind of flick the mouse. Yeah, yeah. And- I- like, don't get me wrong. It's and inc- click at the right time as you flick the mouse. Don't get me wrong. It's phenomenal. All this stuff. Oh, is it's impressive. Phenomenally impressive on like a lot. Like these people, their reaction time is absurd. And like they're very talented and skilled people in their specific domain. Yeah. But it, like for an average viewer. Oh, it makes absolutely it makes no sense. zero sense. Jumping between different perspectives because everything's like first person. You've got teams versus teams. So you're jumping around between the different people on the different teams. You obviously have to have some innate knowledge of the map. The map is obviously like a computer game version of a field in sport. The field in sport is generally quite easy to understand the context. Totally. It's got, it's got four sides. Sometimes it's a circle. <laughs> exactly. Ovular. But, like, typically you understand the context of where the player with the ball is. In Counter-Strike, you have to understand the maps to understand what the hell is going on. Yeah. And even if you do understand the maps, they're flicking through perspectives. Then all of a sudden it's just like, here's the perspective of some guy on some team that you're supposed to understand. And he's just flicking away and just you're supposed to watch on the top right-hand corner just, like, the death hole. Yeah, exactly. The scores are complicated. We said before, the one eSport which is probably most legible to your average person that's, like, popular. The fighting games, like Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Super Smash Brothers, because they kind of have an analogue in real-life combat sports. I think they honestly, they nailed 
esports with Street Fighter. Anyone can watch Street Fighter and be like, okay, well, there's two guys punching each other. They're trying to strategize about how close the distance and closing distance, blah, blah, blah. And the other one is probably like Rocket League, which is- Cars playing soccer. It's cars playing soccer. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, you know, you know, They're borrowing it, heavily from sport. Incredibly heavily. And if you said to a guy, hey, would you want to go and watch cars play soccer? To anyone, they'd be like, I'm fucking in. It makes complete sense. And it's not surprising that every time some media organization has a brain fart about, oh, fuck, we can make an esports show where we show esports during like a primetime slot. It's normally Rocket League they're talking about because it's the one where, I don't know, a 55-year-old guy could turn this on and be like, I get what's happening. Yeah. It's, it's upsetting and I hate it, but I, I kind of get <laughs> There's a rectangle tra- and there's a ball there's, and there's cars trying to get the ball into the goal. The, totally. And the, the other side of this as well, and you alluded to it, with the changes in the rules and things like that, esports games and like the leagues and the licensing are all- 100% controlled by the, the developers of yeah. the game itself. So whether you're talking about Overwatch, Dota, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, whatever, all these tournaments are really heavily tied with the ones that have like big prize pools or whatever with the developer of the game itself. Yeah. And they're the people that set the rules. It would be like if FIFA just owned the concept of football. Yeah. And anytime you wanted to put on a tournament or do something like a competitive element that had like a monetary reward or a pool or whatever, FIFA controlled that. And then in addition to that, there are two other parts to it, which is one, FIFA just like gets to say, hey, anyone that plays football anywhere at any time, we've just increased the ball size by five inches in diameter. And everyone has to be like, okay. And even guys that are like playing at like football in their local park have to abide by these rules. Or the number of players just changes. Okay. Well, it's, it's now 16 aside. Yeah. All of football, anywhere in the world is 16 aside. So does that, because they have that level of control. And if you're filming it and putting it on YouTube, we actually own the rights to Exactly. That. Yeah, totally. And the other side of it is that imagine we have that situation, FIFA controlled football, and the whole time, every year, multiple times a year, there were other companies coming up and saying, we just designed, a whole- forget football. <laughs> football is over. We've designed a whole new game. And it, peeling off people to play it. Yeah. And some people play it for a bit and they ping pong to other ones. That's the situation with games. It's no coincidence that some of the biggest and most popular esports titles, so these are the ones that I've mentioned, like, you know, Overwatch, Counter-Strike, Dota, Dota League. 2, League of Legends, they've actually been big, Fortnite, they've been big for a while. Mm. Like, a lot of these games have probably come yeah, up. Yeah, in particular, a, like, yeah, Counter-Strike coming, and coming League up, have been so old. Well, like, Counter-Strike's been around for 20 years, yeah. like, you know, at least. They're putting their effort into ones that have a bit of history to them and a bit of an audience that's sort of stuck around for a long time and the rules are legible. But again, the people that develop it change the rules all the time. They tweak the the balance of how the game is played. Mm. And the whole time, because esports is to a certain degree fairly lucrative, there's a lot of people, that, as I said, you've got 250 million people that are watching these games. Supposedly. Supposedly allegedly. Well, I, I do want to delve deeper on that. What does like watching mean? Totally. So- I, I do think, yeah, like those figures are not, 100% above board. Because, you know, they'll chuck some esports randomly on Fox Sports 3 or whatever. I worked on an esports campaign years ago, actually, with St. George Bank. Well, see, they, this is pure hype areas. Why is St. George Bank getting involved They'd, in esports? It was a campaign to attract younger people to a bank. Got it. And it was actually a 
partnership with uh, Blizzard. Anyway, whatever. Let's not go back into my history. No, please. The thing with video games is, you know, if they set up a league for Pong, for example, and we look back and we said, well, that's crazy. People were spending $20 million on a Pong team. Computer games, they're like part of a trend. As you say, someone who's good at one computer game can very quickly, like a first-person shooter, can jump over to the next first-person shooter, which could be made by someone else. They can work it out. You know, if you're good at Counter-Strike, you're going to be good at Overwatch. You know, you're going to be good at some other shooter. You're probably going to be half-decent at Fortnite. You know, like, totally. transfer, and these stars do, right? Like, they jump around from sport to sport, sport to sport, from so computer you're falling, you're falling into their trap. You're indulging their- I don't mind it. Like, I, I'm not anti-esports. No, I mean, like, you know, I have zero interest in watching any of it, but I get there's an audience. Yeah, and, and like, like, I can see on Twitch, like, watching someone who's really good at a game you're interested in, I can see that, like, as valuable. If you're someone who's really into Counter-Strike, watching one of your favourite kind of Counter-Strike players for a few hours on Twitch, I get that as a form of entertainment. But it's just so far removed from sport- Yep. Where taking one's family to the footy and getting food and getting your face painted and watching the team that has this history and this culture, as you say, in an environment with 50,000 other people. And again, another fundamental thing we haven't talked about is like going to watch esports live, you're sitting down in an audience to watch a screen, like you're watching a screen. It just so happens that the players, quote unquote, are, are like there on computers in front of you, but like you can't see what they're doing. They're literally just staring at screens themselves. It's dystopian in a lot of ways. You're sitting in an audience to look at a big screen. The same thing that's streamed to everyone who's watching it on Twitch or wherever you are, watching at home on your freaking mobile phone, you're seeing the same thing as the people in the audience, as opposed to like in real life, gladiatorial, real grass, air, cold or heat. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leather, skin, sweat. It's just different. It's just, <laughs> it's back to the, the visceral sort of nature of it. Um, Maybe that's too much of a theme in our pod. I know that I push it hard going outside, talking to people and like- Touch grass. Experiencing the, the world. No, but I, I think on every level, it actually does hugely influence this. And maybe, as I said, I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm in this, this week, Apple's going to announce its new headset. And maybe it'll be such a dynamic sort of like in-person esports experience as part of that that I'm proven insanely wrong. Mm. But I, I don't think so. Yeah, and it's not to say that like people who are playing these games, yeah, aren't skilled. Like they are skilled, or that the people who are watching it aren't like really engaged totally with what's going on. It's just I- the size of the market. If someone opened up Overwatch and watched it for the first time, and they had never played Overwatch. It is completely incomprehensible in a way that American football is not. Like, it is flashing lights and pictures and cartoons doing God knows what. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another point that I, I heard made, which I thought was interesting, is that, you know, everyone that is an esports celebrity is also, by their nature, an influencer. They have to be like a Twitch streamer, you know, really pumping their Instagram presence, blah, 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 which you can say to a certain extent is how modern sport works. Uh, Someone is not going to be selected just because they have a big Instagram following. No, no, totally. But you can argue that an NBA player, and NBA is an obvious example because NBA players have like outsized off-court personas as compared to a lot of other sports. Mm -hmm. But, you know, all this stuff gets streamed through Twitch or like streaming. It would literally be like (laughs) 
and I don't know if this example works perfectly, but I think it does, which is like you could be watching LeBron James play on the court and then given completely equal billing is like his Instagram workout shit just like playing right next to it constantly available. Yeah. It's just like the blend between the league and the sport, they're fairly delineated. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas in this world they're they're not. Like yeah. it's kind of every man for himself building his own brand. Doing- Which goes back to the poker kind of metaphor, right? Yeah, yeah totally. It's, yeah, one kind of person who, yeah, as you say, like on Twitch, they could be playing their sport that they're an eSport professional in a team of or they could be playing friggin' GeoGuessr. Totally. To the same audience or whatever, and it's it's all kind of blended into one. Yeah, absolutely. Ge- no. Those GeoGuessr guys, that's an eSport. That's a sport. No, like I'm consistently more impressed by like that guy Rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who who sees like a single flickering flash of like a backwood highway in Bolivia? Yeah, one eighth upside down. <laughs> like, like- <laughs> and then he's just like got it, bang, bang. That to me is that's that's sport. <laughs> that's Olympics to me. GeoGuessr <laughs> Pyongyang twenty forty. <laughs> Downround is now a premium podcast. You can subscribe to our premium offering at downround.net for $7 a month or $70 a year if you're uh, bargains inclined. And you get not only the episode that you get every week, but one additional one every single week, $7 a month. It's a great bargain. We go deep on... This is a terrible one. (laughs) No, it's fine. Right, we go deeper on the issues. We say more crazy shit. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you want to hear us say stuff that's basically balls to the wall, maybe even illegal, maybe illegal, downround.net, you'll find us there. <laughs>